The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm here with my co-host, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Hey, man, nothing much. Um, playoffs are in full swing. Life is good. I am enjoying what we're seeing, and I'm ready to get into it, man. All right, we'll do that after we give a few more but the particulars. Know the score is brought to you by the CSPN. You can find us on the web at CSPN.us. You can also find us on uh, any uh, podcast app, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitch Radio. All you have to do is search for KTS Pod the CSPN. All right, so it's playoff time in America. We got the NHL. And the NBA. So we'll start with the NHL because on Saturday they had a historic three game sevens take place. We had Carolina over Boston three to two. They win the series. We had the Lightning go on the road and crush the hearts of the Toronto Maple Leafs fans as they win two to one. And the Oilers defeated. The Los Angeles Kings, two to nothing, all to advance to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, there's only one series that did not go seven games in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Two. Oh, excuse me, two. Uh, the one was Colorado sweeping Nashville, and the other series was? It was Florida and Washington. Washington. That's right. They only went to six games. All right, so, Mr. Hockey Man. Yes, sir. Saturday was a, a epic day for the NHL. There was no NBA on at all to disrupt uh, hockey's momentum, and uh, they delivered pretty much. They did, and one of these games definitely shouldn't have gone to some game, and that's your team, my home representation here, the Carolina Hurricanes, they had no business going to Game 7 against Boston. Let's be honest. They had the far better team. They The inability to win one game on the road, I guess that's why you do play for home ice throughout the season, so you could have that seventh game at home, which was very beneficial to the Canes in this one. Um I don't know what happened between the the games from home and the road, but um, I don't know if it was the ghost of Bobby Orr that couldn't get Carolina to get get charged up on the road, but that's something that's definitely going to be cleaned up. Um, they have the home ice advantage against the Rangers, who are uh, who won who won a couple road games in this series against Pittsburgh. We'll get into that in a second. But um, I, I was more disappointed in in that series because 
I thought it would have been a five-game series, even a sweep. Uh, but I knew Boston would at least get one game. And I was really shocked that it went seven games. I really was. Um, and and even game seven, we saw a different Bruins team than we did in the first three games in uh, Raleigh for this series. Um, the, I think they really picked up the intensity that they did not have in those three games, made it a close game. Uh, Carolina found a way to survive. Antiranto was amazing. He had that huge save in the first period that really, I think, took the wind out of Boston sales. Um, but that series was definitely one that I was more disappointed in the fact that a team, you got to put a team like that away. Um, and then uh, the other laugher was uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know what it is about trying to clinch a series in the last 18 years, uh, but now they've lost 10 straight games in which they had a chance to win a series. This includes four game sevens in the last five years, and and they lost the fifth game seven in that time span. A um, couple of these series they were down. They were up 3-1, and they ended up losing the series. They were up 3-2 on the Lightning. Um, couldn't get it done in Tampa. Golden opportunity. Once again at home, uh, full house at Scotiabank Arena. Maple Leaf Square was popping. And you just heard a pin drop at the end of the game. Uh, and I think there was no re- – I think there, because there was no re- reaction because this torture that these fans have been through, you just saw numbness across their faces. Like, there was no no feeling at all because it's like we've been through this before. And then uh, Austin Davis, Mitch Marner, great regular seasons, but they freeze up in the playoffs again. I think John Tavares, I, I don't know if it was an Islander curse that he joins this team. They can't get anywhere uh, past this first round. Uh, but the Lightning are two-time defending Stanley Cup champions for a reason. Uh, they are very, very dominant, very experienced, never got, never cracked under pressure. Braden Point was huge in game six. Steven Stamkos was big in game seven. You had the big cat, Andre Vasilevsky, in between the pipes. He found his Smythe uh, MVP form that he had a couple years ago in these two games. And Tampa Bay sets up a battle of Florida showdown with the Panthers, uh, trip down Alligator Alley for the next uh, four out of four to seven games. Going to be a very entertaining series there. Um, in the series where I wish it could have been us a tie and Nobody won, but somebody had to win. I was the lesser of the two evils, the, for me anyway, the Oilers. Um, Connor McDavid involved in both goals, uh, doing what stars do uh, in the big moment. Um, the Kings definitely overachieved this season. Um, I think with the shock and excitement that Vegas didn't make the playoffs, which they – uh, a lot, I think a lot of teams rejoice about
about that, even the fans, because it's one of those things where, you know, Vegas is probably the best expansion team in sports history going to the Stanley Cup in their first season and making the playoffs right after. It's about time they hit their they hit their lumps. They actually ended up firing their head coach, Peter DeBoer, um, yesterday. But uh, the Kings were able to be the beneficiaries of Vegas's absence. Um, and they, you know, as much as I, it pains me to say it, they had a they had a great season. They definitely weren't expected to get into the playoffs, but they did. Took the Oilers to seven games, including winning a couple in Edmonton. Um, but I think the Lightning Maple Leafs was the best game that Saturday, just because of the stakes, the the um, the reaction from the Toronto fans or lack thereof. Very very entertaining Saturday the, on the ice. Then we shift over to Sunday where we had a pair of Game 7s. We had the New York Rangers completing a 3-1 deficit comeback to stun the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-3 in overtime. And the Calgary Flames defeated the Dallas Stars 3-2 in overtime as well to advance to the second round. Yeah, so both great games. Both, I think, I think Sunday was better than Saturday, and the fact that in the Rangers game that was the shot by Panarin was was huge, only because uh, uh, Gerard Gallant, the Rangers head coach, just encouraged his encourage his uh, his star player to take the shot, you know. Uh, Panarin's been really passive in the series, and he got aggressive in overtime, got the game-winning goal, uh, setting the Rangers in the second round and the meeting with the Hurricanes uh, in the second round. That's going to be a very physical, very entertaining series. Um, The home ice for the Hurricanes there, but just getting – the Rangers moving on to the second round for uh, the first time in quite some time. I think it's been a good, um, good several years since they've made that next round movement. They haven't won the Cup since '94. Uh, prior to that, it was 1940. So the New York definitely has a chance to. They have a chance to make some noise, and you know there's. Nothing like a MSG event in the postseason. Um, you know, of course, the Knicks aren't there, but the Rangers are. And it's going to be very, like I said, very entertaining series with Carolina. And I would definitely say the best thing about this series will be in the goaltending matchup. Uh, Frederick Anderson is supposed to be returning for Carolina. Um, his replacements did very well, but when you have your number one guy going up against um, Igor Shosherskin on the other side for the Rangers, um, he had 79 saves in the triple overtime game. Uh, he had he had some big stops in the extra period against the Penguins in game seven. So I expect a lot of 
speed in the series between the two teams, a lot of tactical um, adjustments between the coaches. And it's going to be very fun to watch. Uh, definitely keep your eyes on this series in the uh, Metropolitan Division second round of the playoffs. Um, that's the reason why I was hoping Pittsburgh would win because uh, I don't think their goaltending is as good as uh, New York's, uh, even though it didn't really show as far as the amount of goals that Pittsburgh scored in their wins and in the Game 7 loss as well. But he is the type of guy who can shut you down, and uh, that's not the type of goalie you really want to see. You really want to see one of Pittsburgh's looser goalies, but uh, that just wasn't the case. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a very difficult task for the Hurricanes I think coming up in this next round, uh, just because the goaltending is going to be spectacular from the Rangers. Um, hopefully Carolina can match that with Freddie Anderson coming back. Don't know how his endurance is going to be uh, after missing, you know, three weeks. Um, so we don't know what his conditioning will be like to be able to go every other day. But Ronta has given them good confidence that if he does have to play game two, um, that 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 that's okay. It's also a game at home where he plays much better, so um, you right. may be able to kind of play the matchups there uh, for Robert Nemore. The thing that the Hurricanes are going to need, though, going forward from this round into wherever they finally end up, whether it's with the Stanley Cup or out in this round or the Eastern Conference Finals, um, they're going to have to get more from Ajo and Sveshnikov um, scoring goals. Um, it's a game seven. You really would hope that your two main players would be the guys that show up, even though we know that game sevens are notorious for the unscripted hero to come through. That was Max Domi in this case for Carolina. But you would rather see your top guys kind of come out, dominate, dictate, and I don't think Aho or Sveshnikov really did that. Uh, it was more the Jordan Stahl line. They kind of controlled the game, uh, got everything, a lot of things generated. So just need to see Sveshnikov, Aho step up uh, a lot more in the next series going forward. They need to be the guys at the helm uh, creating chances and, and scoring a lot of goals and then everybody else chipping in behind them. Not everybody else chipping in, and then we're waiting for your top two guys to, to, to get on board. So hopefully they start the next series fast, and they can continue uh, their strong play throughout the series and on to the next round. Um, our other matchup, Florida and the, uh, the Lightning defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, that's going to be a very interesting series. Uh, Veseleski in goal for Tampa Bay, one of the very best. Florida, known for their up-and-down, fast-break uh, style, scoring a lot of goals. So it's basically going to be strength on strength uh, when it yeah. comes to this matchup. Who do you see coming out victorious? I see – I would say that, once again, you have the experience factor with the Lightning. You have uh, Vasilevsky in the net. You have Stamkos. You have Braden Point and – and you also gotta have uh, you have um, uh, John Cooper, uh, who's definitely got the coaching intangibles as well. He knows how to get his guys going, get them motivated, get them 
in the right frame of mind. Uh, uh, Florida has some good goaltending as well. Sergey Bobrovsky is uh, between the nets as well for the Panthers, and and uh, he's definitely a wall as well. Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau, Claude Giroux, uh, the acquisition from the Flyers. Um, of course, Joe Thornton, year twenty-five, trying to get that, trying to get that ring, and that and his name on the Stanley Cup as well. And I, I say the advantage, the advantage does go to the Lightning in this one. Only off the experience factor. I remember the Panthers haven't. This is their first series win, and first time advancing since the '96 Stanley Cup Final. Um, they haven't had much playoff success until until now. Then they haven't had a series win in 26 years until they uh, were able to move on to the next round. Um, but they are definitely a capable team of dethroning the champs. And I think if, you know, they always say to beat the man, you got to beat the man. And I think if the Lightning is, are, are the team to beat, uh, the Florida Panthers are more than capable of that team stepping up and being the team that will um, get ahead in the series and end up winning the series. Rest versus rest for the Avalanche as they're going to face the Blues. Um, they've had several days in a row off as they've awaited uh, the winner of the Blue Series to, to, to emerge. So, does this hurt Colorado or is this just another, you know, advantage for them for being the best team all season and taking care of business? First things first, I want to say at least pinch the bitch, Predators. Like, that series was such a wash. It wasn't even funny. Um, so back to the question. I would say that this is a rest factor for, I would say rest for the avalanche uh, only because you get, you get guys back from any nagging injuries, any lingering injuries, uh, but it was definitely a long layoff between their win and then and then uh, St. Louis winning their series as well. And, um, and and the Blues have had some time to rest as well, uh, not as much time as the Avalanche. So uh, we could. I, it will be this series will be who is able to kick the rust off first. In game one, and I think once we get into the flow of the game after that first uh, tally, we'll see how the other team responds. Um, you can't go against Tarasenko and and those guys, but you also have you also have um, some beasts on the Avalanche side. You have uh, Kemper and the Nets. You have McKinnon, Landis Gog. You have. Um, you have so many other players and players that fill their roles nicely on this team. Um, I love the fact that this team is so fast, so strong, so big, and I, I can see them 
having another it's going to go either a very quick series or it's going to go the distance and uh, i'm ready to see what's going to happen on there uh as well i would say the series goes six with uh, colorado moving on in our final matchup we've got the oilers and calgary the battle of alberta um who you got coming out of that matchup this is going this is probably going to be my favorite series to watch because it's the battle of alberta you got literally canada's last two hopes uh playing one another you have the loyal fans of edmonton you have the sea of red in calgary and bragging rights are going to be on the line in this one uh I I hope these teams don't get in caught up in the melt of this is our championship in a sense uh, because there's so much more to play for. I'm going to say advantage flames. Um, yes, the Oilers have a lot of firepower. They have a resurgent Evander Kane. They have a Leon Dreisaitl. They have Nugent Hopkins. They have Connor McDavid, obviously. And if Edmonton can steal one on the road, I can see them definitely getting getting the upper hand and closing the series out. I would say in six there. Uh, if Edmonton cannot get get that first uh, tally in the series, or at least a a first or second period win in the series, uh, the Oilers are gonna move on and they'll be uh, facing the. Uh, number two seed winner at the end of the at the end of this round. All right. So you think it's going to come down to Hurricanes and Panthers in the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's going to be the Avalanche and the Flames in the West. Yes, correct. All right. We will see in about two weeks or so uh, what comes of this um, very entertaining first round of the NHL playoffs definitely um, dominated the sports world on Saturday for sure added to the drama that was Sunday as we transition into the NBA Uh, we had two game sevens on Sunday but before we get there we'll talk about uh, the Memphis Grizzlies succumbing to the Golden State Warriors Um, but they didn't go down easy because they had an epic Game five win um, in a game where they were up 55 points. Uh, they ended up beating the Warriors by like 47 or something. It's just ridiculous. Um, back home in Memphis uh, after the Warriors had won game four, took a three to one lead. John Morant injured in that game. Uh, some people think dirty play, other people think just, you know, the game. But, um, you know, Steph and uh, Clay show up, especially Clay. Game six, Clay comes through, get the Warriors back into the Western Conference Finals. Uh, then we had the Miami Heat. They knocked off the 76ers. Uh, Jimmy Butler, taking things personally, got Philadelphia up out of the paint. Uh, that causes a lot of turmoil for Philadelphia. Doc Rivers especially, even though Daryl Morey says that he will be back as her coach. Uh, now they have to make a decision on James Harden. 
do they give him a max a max deal well actually uh, not a max deal he's going to come back and opt in for the 47 million dollars and they have to determine if they want to extend them for a long-term contract or not or if they're going to let them go and after next year and pursue a supermax deal with someone else um let's start with the warriors um just a total epic just collapse in game five i don't know what the hell that was um just so shocking uh to see that team with that pedigree just not show up and compete um give memphis all the credit in the world for you know fighting back without their best player at home um but as they advance uh what do you see uh for the warriors in their next round as uh, in game seven the dallas mavericks went on the road and stunned the entire nba beating the number one seed in the west the phoenix suns in a spectacular blowout um Dallas wins by over 30. They had a 50-point lead, 40-point lead in this game for a lot of it as well. Luka Doncic scored 27 points in the first half, the same as the Phoenix Suns as a whole. So talk about that Western Conference Finals matchup, the Warriors against the Mavericks. Oh, sorry. Um, had someone come up here. Um Run that question back for me. Just your thoughts on the Warriors in Dallas coming up. Oh, yeah, Wednesday night. So, I think the – I picked the Warriors at the start of the season because I said if we get a healthy Clay Thompson, we just might see the the resurgence of the Warriors. Um I thought even if Phoenix won, they would have the capability of taking a home game from the Suns, but they have the advantage, home field and advantage, home field, home court advantage in round two in these, well, not round two in these conference finals. And I think they're going to take a full advantage of that. Um, there's something about. Uh, Golden State in the playoffs. The, it goes back to the experience factor, the continuity, and and, uh, and uh, as great and as phenomenal as Luka Doncic is, I think one glaring weakness in the game that he has is his free throw shooting. Uh, I would try to get I would try to get Doncic to the line as much as I can and try to make him make shots. Um, and make a shot, make shots from the line, and see how he responds to that. If he can get, if he can get that um, ball moving though, and get his teammates involved early and often, then Dallas definitely has the capability and the chance. If Luca will need to be like Dirk Nowitzki in twenty eleven, and then also just have some. So have some good continue to have that good help from his teammates to have a run like that and be back in the uh, in the uh, finals have the marriage back in the finals. But I'm picking with Golden State. I stay with Golden State. I'm gonna just uh, continue to stay beside him. We talked about 
the series uh, when it was 2 nothing before it shifted over to Dallas. And we talked about one of the adjustments that Dallas needed to make was to involve more player and ball movement to involve everyone else to not make it easy for the Suns defensively to just focus all their attention on Luka. And for the last five games of the series, except for game seven, which Luka just, you know, took over from the beginning, um, Dallas did that. Jason Kidd did that. Defensively, um, something happened to Chris Paul. A lot of people are talking about injuries. He may have, uh, you know, had a hamstring injury or something, but uh, definitely his effectiveness uh, was limited greatly after the first two games of the series. But you have to give all the credit to Jason Kidd for the adjustments and the coaching that he um, he did, especially in Game 7 where they had a defensive um, strategy to make anybody but Booker beat them. Um, seems like there was also some internal team chemistry issues with the Suns as uh, DeAndre Ayton got benched uh, for a lot of that game uh, when it was still kind of somewhat competitive. Um, so I don't know if, you know, something internally with the Suns changed over the last three games, but they definitely uh, lost uh, their edge, their focus, and their compete level in Game 7 at home, which was probably the most shocking uh, event of the whole weekend. Um, we go back over to the Eastern Conference where we had Jason Tatum and Giannis have a heavyweight fight, Ali versus Frazier in game six, that saw the Celtics get the victory after blowing it in game five, which they probably should have won on the road. Uh, but uh, Giannis had 46. Jason Tatum had 44. They were basically, you know, going blow for blow there with the Celtics coming out on top, forcing the game seven at home where the Celtics routed the Bucks. Jason Tatum has now knocked off Kevin Durant. He's now knocked off Giannis. So he is definitely ascending into the rarest of air as far as the current players in the NBA, making his mark, um, getting passed through the top 10 and breaking in and near to the top five now. Uh, so where do you see this Eastern Conference matchup where we've got the Miami Heat taking on the Boston Celtics. It's going to be a physical matchup. Um, you have two teams that that are very, very defensive-minded, and it kind of boils, it boils down to – it's going to boil down to health. Um, already at the time of the recording – before the start of the game, Al Horford is actually out with um, health and safety protocols. Um, I received a positive test most likely. Marcus Moore has a foot sprain. Uh, Robert Williams will be back in the lineup. Um, but I expect a good series with uh, Tatum and Butler. And if Villa Depot comes back in the series, uh, that'll be the X factor right there. You don't think Grant Williams got seven more threes in him? He may have three or four, but I don't know. <laughs> um, that, that performance was um, phenomenal. Uh, he's definitely got some threes left in him. It's going to just depend on 
how much energy he's going to be exerting either guarding uh, Butler or or um, even at times he may be on the post trying to trying to get out of bio uh, limited opportunities, but um, he's definitely was a sniper in that game. Uh, a lot. I always said, I said this on my Instagram, and I and I stay by it. I'll take a game seven at Boston at the TD Garden any day of the week, uh, and I really, I really think that. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be whoever makes the first mistake consistently will be the team that goes down in this first round. Yeah, Boston and uh and Miami, they're gonna struggle to get to hundred points in this series. It's gonna be a throwback to the nineties, I think. First team to get to about ninety, ninety five, it's probably gonna be your winner. Uh, and a lot of these games, just unless there's just one night where one team just can't shoot straight, turns the ball over a lot. I think that's the one thing that Boston will have to watch out for is uh, turnovers, live ball turnovers, because the Miami Heat do like to get out and run um, with the team that they have. They like to uh, shoot transition threes, and they also like to throw it up to Bam, uh, running rim to rim. So. Boston's going to definitely have to watch out for turnovers, live ball turnovers, throwing the ball out of bounds where they can set their defense up. Won't hurt them as much, um, uh, you know, um, as much as blocks and steals and things like that that can lead to uh, instant transition for the Heat. So I would definitely, uh, if Boston can limit the transition points from the Heat, I think that will carry them. Uh, a long way in this series. I think uh, in Boston themselves may try to uh, open it up and run a little bit more too just because Miami's defense is so good. You don't want to always have to go up against a team's set defense if if you can help it. So this may be a series of, you know, whichever team can dominate the transition and fast break points in each given game, that may be the edge uh, that puts uh, one team over uh, for the series. So just be interesting to watch that. I think the game within the game, um, you know, Eric Spolster is a G when it comes to coaching. Uh, so Jason Tatum, they're definitely going to have a lot of different looks and, and varying defenses for him uh, to try to slow him down, especially if he starts to really get rolling. Um, so the coaching matchup is going to be great as well as the, uh, the matchup of the players on the court. So, I think this is going to be a fun series. I think it's going to be a highly uh, competitive series. And uh, and uh, whoever comes out of this, I just hope they got enough in the tank to, to show up for the finals. Definitely. And then I would say the last thing about this series would be um, would be the, the intangibles. And I think when we look at the guys who fill their roles very well. You have uh, Tyler Hero, uh, who's been who's been everything and then some. And then you have guys that are on the verge of all the verge of things and great things in their careers with the teams they're on. I would just say that. On this team with the Heat, uh, we have 
we just have a a lot of blue collar, hardworking guys on this team, and you know they may be on South Beach, but they're a great team. They're very they're a hard team to to crack uh, mentally. Uh, if Boston does revert to the same strategy and Minnesota can't, I mean, not, well, Miami has to do it. I don't know where I'm going to from. Um, Miami can't recover from it, and then this series is going to be um, hung up. Season going to be done. And I think both teams are very motivated by, they're both very motivated by the previous uh, runs they've had against one another, and then also uh, the next round of the playoffs is the finals. So I uh, definitely want to see if they can get onto the finals, and and um, it'll be great if Boston wins, but it's going to be a heck of a battle in the process. All right. Um some loose ends in the NBA. Charlotte Hornets looking for a new coach. Lakers looking for a new coach. Sacramento Kings hired Mike Brown. Then the next day he got beat by 50 by the uh, by the Grizzlies as he was filling in for Steve Kerr, who uh, was under the uh, COVID protocols. Uh, Hornets look like they might be zeroing in on Mike D'Antoni uh, uh, as their coach to pair up with uh, LaMelo Ball and... and uh, what was the problem? I mean, I know what the problem was. In all honesty, you get blown out two years in a row in the playing game. You kind of got to make some changes. But I didn't think that Charlotte's coach was a bad coach. I just think that at the end of the season, I don't know if he was a, a guy who ran his players too hard, didn't utilize his bench enough, or didn't wasn't a motivator. But what do you think uh, was the reason, besides getting blown out in two consecutive playing games, for Charlotte making a, a coaching change? I don't think it was anything other than that. I think he got them as far. I think James Burrell could have got them as far as James Burrell was going to get them. Um, this was a team that, yeah, you're right. They won, they, they won, uh, they won X amount of games on the road. They had a much better showing on the road. And... And then they were able to really just show that there is there's renewed optimism for like that. But the problem, yeah. So the problem was just uh, not just the playing the playing game. I think the fact that he may have been on the verge of losing the locker room. And then the locker room kind of just evaporated after the, the confidence in them evaporated by the playing game. Uh, once it looked like Atlanta wasn't even, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was a game in Atlanta where, yeah, that game in Atlanta, and when they could not hit anything, there was no timeout call. There was no sense of urgency from the coaches. And you can kind of, you know, you don't want to make any excuses 
you know, for the players because they they know what to expect. They were in this position exactly one year ago. They go through and they lay an egg once again. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of things that they that need to be worked on. I don't think D'Antoni would be a good fit because you have to have defense and they were the issues that they had a lot were on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I do know they did bring Kenny Atkinson for a second look. They also interviewed Terry Stotts, former Portland Trailblazers. I think Stotts would be a good possible fit because he can balance that offense and defense out. He's not offensive focus and he's also uh, very balanced on the defensive side of the ball uh, and he would also have to be hard um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, um, how come Sam Cassell can't get a job I don't know if it's uh I, that's a good question. I mean, he's been on Doc's side for almost two decades now. I don't know if it's um, a Sam Cassell thing, if he just enjoys being an assistant, or if he hasn't got the opportunity to at least interview. Um, I really am surprised that he his name hasn't popped up on the assistant coaches bar. Like... Like uh, other coaches, but I really think if you know he, he is a defensive-minded guy. If you really look at it, um, he would definitely be a good fit for somebody. Who would that somebody be? I don't know just yet. Um, you know, you could possibly see because of his time in Houston. You could possibly see him taking over again, um, taking that team over, uh, depending on how long the Rockets stay with Steven Silas. But I think he would be a good, he would be a good coach somewhere. Um, but maybe he's just enjoying, you know, being Doc's assistant and, and he's content with that. Cause, uh, he's been, a, he's been there for at least, 15, 16 years now, and, you know, it's time for him to branch off. I, I, I've, I've wondered that as well. I try to come up with some rationales on why. I, the only one I can really think of is, um, you know, maybe he feels like there's still more he can get out of uh, Doc Rivers before, before the, um, the trigger is pulled. All right. Well, got everybody caught up now on the playoff situations in both the NHL and NBA. Uh, in, in NFL is letting uh, these boys have their shine right now. There's there's nothing uh, major happening as of yet, even though the NFL is meeting with Deshaun Watson. So we may be getting closer to that, uh, whatever inevitable suspension will be uh, for him as we get closer to training camps. But until then, 
NFL is is uh, minding their business and letting everybody have their spotlight right now. So I know Gary Bettman and uh, Adam Silver are extremely happy about that. So the way I'm gonna turn it over to you, sir, for your final thoughts and your shout outs. Mm-hmm. Okay, shout out to you, Don. Thank you for having me as always. Shout out to all my fellow co-hosts on CSPN. And my final thought is the number one, and that's the amount of points between Liverpool and Manchester City across the pond. Uh, decision day is Sunday. Uh, teams, uh, championships on the line. All Manchester City has to do is win or um, have Liverpool lose. If they do tie, uh, Manchester City does have the goal differential advantage, and they will win the English uh, Premier League that way. Uh, the only way Liverpool has a chance to win is if is if there is um, nobody present. I mean, there unless Manchester City doesn't show up. Um, then Liverpool, they can get, they can try to get the win at home and win the Premier League for the second time in three years. Uh, they would have the domestic treble in the process, and they're going for an unheard of quadruple as they take on uh, Real Madrid for the uh, United, uh, the UEFA Champions League uh, trophy. So, a lot going on across the pond. Um, it's been a thrilling race, and it's all going to culminate with, um, you know, with uh, one game, uh, two, if you want to put them up against one another. So it's going to be very entertaining. Thank you, Dwayne, for joining me here once again on Know the Score. Uh, my final thought is going to be about uh, Rich Strike 80-1 to winning the Kentucky Derby. Uh, just a phenomenal run. Uh, from the pole, um, you know, uh, kind of boxed in there, running probably about seventh or eighth, and then uh, on the rail, and then he got that opening. And once he got that daylight, man, he came up, and one of the biggest upsets in Derby history uh, took place afterwards. So congrats to Rich Strike and the owners of him who took a $30,000 uh, investment and have made more money than they probably ever dreamed of off this horse. Uh, so shout out to them. Uh, shout out also to Michael Jordan and 2311 as uh, Kurt Busch in the 45 flight car wound up in victory lane this past weekend in Kansas. It's the first time that the Jumpman flight uh, logo uh, paint scheme had adorned any of the 2311 cars. And it ended up in victory lane. So that's pretty cool uh, to see that happen. And uh, for 2311 as a whole, Michael Jordan getting his second uh, win as a car owner in NASCAR uh, after Bubba Wallace won the rain short in Talladega race in the fall last year. Uh, but this one, there was no tricks, no hijinks. Kurt Busch had a very good car all day, uh, outdueled Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch to get the win. Uh, and so things seem to be looking up for the Toyotas and 2311 racing uh, as a whole. So hopefully uh, Bubba Wallace can follow up and, and get a, a victory here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, stay tuned to the CSPN Facebook page over the next couple of weeks, uh, Memorial Day weekend, 
as we will be we will be live at the coca-cola 600 covering uh the race so there'll be a lot of exclusive live videos up on the uh, facebook cspn media page so check that out if you're into nascar and want to see some some things that you probably won't see broadcast on the uh, actual television coverage as we'll be there all weekend through our practice qualifying and the race on sunday so hopefully we have good weather no rainouts and uh we'll have a lot of exclusive footage content interviews hopefully uh, from the Coca-Cola 600 in a couple of weeks. So, like I said, for my co-host of the Wayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.